pleasure of sitting down with Mark and Aaron Lassiter for this OM podcast. Mark has been around since OMP's inception in 1986, and Aaron was literally born into it. Listen in to hear Mark explain why OMP is so important to him, and Aaron share his first memory of OMP. And you'll also understand why we still sometimes call our participants campers instead of community builders. So today on the OMP podcast, I have two very special guests. I have Mark and Aaron Lassiter, who Mark has been uh, at OMP since the very beginning, and Aaron was born into OMP. So both of them have so much to tell us about what Ozark Mission Project was like back in the day and how it's changed over time. So welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here. So Mark, tell us, um, tell us how OMP started. Well, it um, started, actually the idea came from uh, a, the youth director at Lakewood Church in the early early 80s uh, named Mary Beck. Okay, and Lakewood is North Little Rock, North right? Little Rock, that's correct. And I was the associate pastor there at that time. And uh, she and her husband had always been involved in mission work. In fact, he worked for Heifer Project International. That brought them from California to, to Arkansas. And so mission was a big part of what she was about. And she started taking the youth of uh, Lakewood she, uh, to uh, Mountaintop in East Tennessee and did that for two or three years. And then she talked me into going with her. And I'd never been on a mission trip before. And uh, so for two years, I went with them as well. And uh, during that time, she kept saying that uh, we need to take this kind of program to Arkansas because there was nothing, at least in United Methodist Church circles, uh, doing mission type work, hands-on mission work in, in Arkansas. So what kind of work did you do at Mountaintop? Uh, very similar to what we're doing, have always done at OMP. Uh, we were doing uh, yard work, house painting, porches, wheelchair ramps, the very same kind of thing because our concept came from them. Okay. And uh, uh, But there were other churches that were going out of state as well. Uh, one of those was First Church Conway, and Alan Bruner was the youth director and Christian education director there. He was taking their group to uh, uh, Appalachian Service Project, and uh, also in the eastern part of Tennessee. Um, so we started a conversation with, with Alan and uh, drew in some other people who are working with youth. Uh, Laverne Cahey, who was at uh, uh, First Church Little Rock at that time. Uh, Linda Driver was at Amboy. Uh, Renee Swaffer was at St. Paul. And uh, so we started a conversation about the possibility of doing something in Arkansas. And we looked at both the mountaintop and the uh, uh, Appalachian Service Project models and debated that for a long time because, you know, did a lot of the same work, but uh, different models. A ASP, we felt like was more into the construction and deep construction, heavy construction, and less into relationships. Right. And so we liked the OMP, I mean, the mountaintop model because it was about, it was balanced between doing the work and uh, building community and uh, emphasizing uh, discipleship and uh, worship. And so we liked that balance. And so we had someone come in from a mountaintop and talk to us about it and actually train us in their concept. And then we took that and we made some adaptations to it. One, one thing we, we did is that we wanted volunteers to be have a significant part, not, not just 
college staff. Right. With Mountaintop, it was it was almost paid staff that did all the leadership work and paid college staff primarily. But we wanted to balance that with volunteers. We felt like that would be a good thing. So, so from the very beginning, OMP has been uh, uh, volunteer based, and we've used paid college staff as well. And uh, so we had our first camp in 1986. We used uh, uh, Wayland Springs Campground in uh, up near uh, Imboden, outside of Paragool, and uh, we had I think 35 campers and represented among those churches that I just mentioned. And we had a, a volunteer college staff, actually. We were all volunteers that year. And uh, and then I think maybe we increased to three camps the next year, but we did all, they were all campsite-based. Uh, right. We were at Wayland Springs and uh, Bear Creek and Show Creek, <laughs> those three sites. And uh, so um, uh, then we just uh you know we kept getting people interested in this and started start, kept talking about it to other churches and and over time we we increased to four camps and then six camps and <laughs> then eight camps and uh, but the model that we have today is essentially the same as we had in uh back when we first started OMP. that's amazing so where yeah. what are some of the first places that y'all had mission weeks when you first started well, those out of those three camps, are you talking about the town? Yeah, what the towns? Cities? Well, uh, when we were in uh, Wayland Springs, out of Imboden, it was Paragool, Walnut Ridge, um, and a lot of places just out in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, and one of the things that we we thought we would do is that we thought we would pretty much do all of our work in rural areas because that's what Mountaintop did, and that was our vision. Mm-hmm. is that we would also do that. But, of course, over time, we started coming into towns and cities and, and doing mission work as much there as any place. So how long did it take to get from that first mission trip to actually having um, a, a mission week in North Little Rock, where that's where the idea came from? Oh, uh, we probably were 10 years into into doing this before we got back into Metropolitan areas yeah. like Little like Little Rock and North Little Rock, yeah. Probably. Okay, so um, how did you find your projects in the very beginning? Uh, same way we do it now. We use churches and we use agencies mm-hmm. and went to them and and um, got their help in, in finding people to work for it. It was really it was a little bit more of a challenge back in the day because they didn't know us, right? And they were suspicious of us, and uh, so we had to build some confidence within those agencies that we were legitimate and that, uh, you know, we weren't trying to do harm, but, but do harm. Well, and that's exactly, I mean, even today when I make phone calls and they've never heard of us, yes. it takes a few minutes to yes. convince them that we're not some fly-by-night yes. or, you know, and even neighbors, well, how much is this going to cost me? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to cost anything. Yeah. And they're always very shocked. Yeah. And uh, and to convince them that, that, yes, teenagers can build a wheelchair ramp yeah. and yeah. do it quite well. Yeah, yeah. So... So that was that was a challenge in the early days, especially. Well, so I would think that another challenge in the early days would be, um, how did you get? How did you know where to go? Get from place to place. <laughs> what happens if you needed another two by four? Uh, you can't just make a phone call no. like you can now. Well, in terms of uh, finding places, you had to be a map reader and <laughs> no GPS. So we got addresses, and we had to. Uh, 
find them on maps or the agencies would give us physical directions to find those places. And sometimes we didn't find them very well. We had to stop and ask neighbors or people in the area where this person lives. Right, do you so, know where the Smiths live? <laughs> yeah, so it was, it, was a, it was a challenge just to find neighbors. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, no cell phones. And so we would have um, uh, designated times and when we were out doing first visits when we would meet up and uh, or when we would find a payphone <laughs> and a call what? in, yeah, payphone, and and, uh, and we always kept someone at camp. Someone was the phone person, and they were the center of communication. And so, uh, staff would call that person, and then they might communicate with another staff person. You know what needs they had, and maybe where they need to meet up to do no- another job or something. So. So you had someone on staff at state camp at all times. Okay. Uh, to, it was the center of communication. <laughs> so what uh, what different roles have you had? Well, I was uh, the director of the first camp, and uh, and I had I was in the director role for oh, fifteen years probably, and uh, so that's almost the only role I've ever had until I started being Aaron's assistant <laughs> director. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, organized around what we call a steering committee. Didn't have a board like we have now, but we had a steering committee that did everything. And uh, I was chair of that for several years as well. And uh, so, you know, just always, uh, and, and over time I felt like that, that I needed to back off and allow some other people to move into leadership. Mm-hmm. So I really made a conscious decision both in the in the camps and with the uh, organization to kind of encourage some other people to step up. Okay. Thought okay. that was important to do. Okay. So, Aaron, you don't remember a time when your family wasn't involved in Ozark Mission yep. Project. What's your first memory of OMP? When I when I went as a baby, when I went as a little kid. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> that? I remember. I remember us going sleeping in the camper. Oh, you had like an RV to we or took a, a camper. camper yeah. yeah. Your whole family? Yeah, I did. How old were you? I think I was about three years old. Well, he was born in 91, and so he probably didn't go till till he was three or four. Three or four. Before Cindy started bringing the kids. Okay. Did you did you get to play a role at those camps, or were you just along for the ride? Along for the ride. Okay. When did you actually get to start participating? In, in 06 at Cold Springs. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember your first neighbor? Miss, Miss Frankie White. Miss Frankie White. And what did you do for Miss White? I think we, I think she was really a neighbor, but I, but I remember going over to her house sometime. Oh, uh, she was in North Rock. North Little Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what you did for her? I think I built a ramp for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your what's your fondest memory about Ozark Mission Project when you were growing up? Worship and and seeing seeing how much kids enjoy playing the games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After we do our work during the day, yeah. coming back and getting to fellowship with other churches. Yeah, it is, and neighbor night too. Mm-hmm. Hearing neighbor stories. Right. Mm-hmm. So do you um, do you still have contact with people that you met at Ozark Mission Project weeks? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that a lot of people do that. I know that uh, I was at uh, in Rogers one time, and a busload of people got off of a, a 
a school bus in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. And I'm like, I know all of y'all because <laughs> I'd met the Meadows Art Mission Project. Mm-hmm. And I know that, uh, you know, when my, when my kids went to college, they knew people uh, in some of their classes who had been at those Art Mission Project weeks with them hmm. from around the state. It's pretty cool, the connections that you make and keep. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's like a family reunion. It is. It is yeah. a family reunion. Because you run so many people you knew for OMP. Absolutely. It is a family <laughs> reunion. We And we do become family. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with yeah. all the social media and everything mm-hmm. now, it's so easy to stay connected yeah. that, you know, if I go down my Facebook friends list, probably half of them are people mm-hmm. I know from Ozark Mission yep. Project. Mm-hmm. So, Do you remember any of your neighbors that's particularly stood out for you, Mark? Well, I, there's so many, so many. So many. Um, um, we uh, actually, uh, uh, one of my favorite persons was a, uh, was a cook that I hired in uh, McGee, Arkansas. And uh, we were, we actually did a camp out of a school in McGee once upon oh. a time. And I actually had to find cooks and uh, called the school and they recommended one of their cooks. And, and uh, this woman, whose name I don't even remember now, became one of my favorite people in all the world. She was such a wonderful, sweet Christian lady and she, she would do anything to help us out and make the camp work. And that's one of my favorite memories. And Miss Frankie too is one of those as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very cool. Do, do you remember any of projects that were a particular challenge? Like, for instance, I remember when I was um, a director in training at Lakewood, mm-hmm. um, we had a ramp, and I don't remember the neighbor's name because I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but um, the ramp went down to the back porch uh, because the neighbor came in and went mm-hmm. through the back door, and it went all the way down this hill, and it looked like the log ride at Silver Dollar City. I mean, that's how big it was. And yeah. I thought, we're never going to get this done. And um, sure enough, we didn't get it done. Uh-huh. The college staffer was just a little, was a little ambitious, uh-huh. thinking that we could finish it. And, of course, we all went back on Friday, or mm-hmm. on Saturday then, mm-hmm. to finish mm-hmm. that ramp. But I'll always <laughs> remember that project and thinking, oh, my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into? Yeah, sometimes we can overestimate yeah, what, yes. what we can do or what perhaps we need to do. One of my favorites was in Waldo, Arkansas. And uh, actually, I worked on this with Hank Godwin. And uh, uh, it was a mobile home, if I remember right. And they really needed a wheelchair ramp off their porch out to the street. The problem was there was an, an old car that was in the way. And... Uh, we uh, asked them about moving it, but they did not want to move the car because they kept part of their household belongings in that car. Oh. And it was storage, almost like a storage shed. And so <laughs> we had to actually make a kind of a circle around that uh, that car to build a wheelchair. But it worked out great. It looked fantastic when it was over. But it oh, was, that's funny. <laughs> it was a, a funny challenge, really. Yeah, that is funny. That is funny. Yeah. So, Aaron, can you think of anything that was a, a challenge for you uh, on a, a work site? I know one that you remember, Aaron. You talk about that one we did in Hot Springs uh, where we, it was really a small ramp. Oh, yeah, on that, the house, that house about to go out in the river. We, well, it was, it was the, there was holes in the, in the bathroom 
in the back of the house and it was 10 feet off the ground probably and it was very frightening <laughs> that part of that house was gonna fall off of the, off of the, off of the side of the hill. And uh, we were trying to do some work to patch the floor, but it was still very frightening. I think you ought to pull the campers out there eventually, didn't you? Uh, maybe, may had to, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a real challenge. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and sometimes, you know, we're supposed to be looking for safety hazards. You know, is it safe to put our, our community builders out there? Yeah. And sometimes we don't know until we get mm-hmm. into it that it's really yeah. not safe. That's true. So, which, you know, oftentimes you start pulling boards off of things and you're like, oh, now we're going to have to fix mm-hmm. all this that we see that we didn't mm-hmm. know anything about. I think Quint said that into a project with y'all's out in Rogers one time. Say that again? I think Quint said y'all ran that, ran that problem at Rogers, Carson Davis's. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we, we end up with those every once in a while. <laughs> we do. So, um, Aaron, you've been director before as well. Yeah, I was. Tell me about being a director. I, I, I enjoy it. I do mostly like the program stuff because I because I don't know nothing about projects. <laughs> right. Well, I you know what I don't I don't know a whole lot about projects. I'm getting better at it. I'm learning more. But I have found that being a director, you really just have to know how to manage other people and let them do what they're best at. Yeah. You know, let the construction coordinator be the construction coordinator. Yeah. Let the program staff be the program staff, and then you just step in when you need to step in. Yeah. That's what I found. I enjoy seeing behind the scenes stuff too. Mm-hmm. I realize there's so much stuff you, that you see if you if you weren't a director, like if you're a driver or something. I exactly. You know, I was an adult community builder for uh, maybe three or four different times, yep. I guess. And I very much enjoy driving around to all the projects and mm-hmm. meeting all the neighbors better than being a an adult community. That's what builder. my that's what my TC said. Like four, I think it was that Sunday night. He said, "Man, I think I enjoy being the driver better." And at the end of the week, he said, "I think I think I want to be a TC next year." Yeah, I could tell he's. I think he's enjoying TC better. Yeah, <laughs> we all have our little niche that we need that mm-hmm. needs to be filled. So, but on the other hand, I know that a lot of adults prefer to be with one little group of kids that they can bond with all week long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what else do you guys want to talk about as far as OMP goes? Anything that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I want to say just a word about why OMP became important to me, beyond just the challenge of, of starting it and thinking that we had a, had a, had a need in Arkansas to fill. What, what surprised me about Ozark Mission Project and uh, what we were about was how much uh, discipleship making happened through OMP. And, and that's what has kept me going. That's what's kept me interested in OMP are the number of lives that have been changed. Sometimes it's the neighbors that we work for. I've seen that happen. But more importantly, it's the, it's the campers, both youth and adult community builders, we call them today. Mm-hmm. But um, over the years, I have, I've seen people have such significant faith experiences and um, uh, decisions about their lives through the OMP mm-hmm. and uh, about what course their life is going to take and um, coming to understand what it means to be a servant Christian. Uh, that's really what's been important to me is, is the changes I've seen in people's lives. And sometimes it's affected youth groups and churches, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the experience that uh, campers have had 
at OMP. So that's that really is what's been important to me is is that the lives that have changed. Remember that project in Mount Eagle? Didn't you say there was a project in Mount Eagle that about that lady kept going down the ramps very slow? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell that story. Actually, it didn't happen to me, but it was um, it was one of when we were in uh, living in Magnolia and Greer's Chapel was coming. One of our adults tells a story and. He cried too. Yeah, uh, he cried when he told it, and every time I tell retell the story, I get emotional. But um, it was about a man that lived um, outside of Clinton, and he uh, he was in a mobile home, and he hadn't been out of his mobile home in months uh, because he just couldn't get out, and people had to bring him everything that he needed and wanted, and so they built a a deck for him and a wheelchair ramp off that deck. And uh, Chris, the, the adult camper that was telling the story, uh, said that every time they laid down a board, he moved his wheelchair a little bit farther. Oh. And finally, they got to the ramp, and, and they kept laying boards, and he, he moved his wheelchair around, down with every board. And they finally got to the bottom, and he wheeled out into the yard uh, for the very first time in months yeah. and he'd been outside and been able to be mobile beyond his 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 house so yeah i that that was a moving story to me. that's amazing <laughs> and you know on the the other side of that coin i was talking with um, an agency today on the phone and she has a gentleman who she's actually having trouble getting hold of uh he lives in a mobile home but for the most part he is staying in his car outside uh, the mobile home he because he can't get in uh, and so he rather than trying to get into his house, in and out of his house multiple times a day, he spends mm. most of the day and some of the nights in, in his, his vehicle outside wow. of his mobile home. What a need. So, yeah. yeah. Hope we can do that project. I know. I hope we can, too. <laughs> I hope we can, too. Yeah. And I hear these urgent needs, and it just breaks my heart every time I yeah. have to tell somebody, no, we can't oh, help. That's, <laughs> so, hard, that's hard. So it's it will definitely be uh, something that I've, We'll try to find a group to be right. able to do. Um, but back to what you were talking about with the, the significant impact that you see on these, not just the neighbors' lives mm-hmm. and their day-to-day life, but on the the uh, the youth community builders as well. I mean, if you're in this long enough, you get to see them uh, become going from students to maybe college staff to professionals. Mm-hmm. And I'm always amazed at how many of our kids who were involved in OMP are in ministry or yeah. youth ministry or nonprofit yeah. work. Yeah. Um, I think that we're definitely building a foundation for people who want to give back to their communities. I think it was like last year at Silent Springs, that project we had done in Oklahoma, the guy had to carry his wife outside the house to go to places. Oh, yeah. And he said, he said I'm really glad we got this rent built. Yeah, helped mm-hmm. him a lot. And when she came down to rent, she could tell, you could, she didn't say nothing about it, but you could tell she enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to get dressed so she'd come out there. They wouldn't come out and talk to them all week, but finally on the way, on the way neighbor night, the driver says, most I heard out of them. Sometimes you don't know what reason why they're not talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes uh, community builders are being, and neighbors are being impacted, and you don't even know it until years <laughs> later. But it's, it is true that we have a lot of people in professional ministry because of OMP. <laughs> people going into ministry. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I mean, I remember... Uh, one OMP when one of our ministers that are now in the conference serving had her aha moment. You know, I, I remember that distinctly when God spoke to her and 
suddenly she realized that she had a gift and a call. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was a moving experience too. Well, I appreciate you guys very much meeting with me today and sharing with me your own stories about, mm-hmm. about OMP. I've been around about a decade, but I don't know all of the stories. And so getting to host the podcast, I get to hear all the stories that I didn't know of before. Yeah. So, Well, there's no doubt in my mind that God's hand has been on OMP since its beginning. And, and, uh, and I'm humbled by that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that God has used OMP in such significant ways. Mm-hmm. And think of the thousands of yeah. community builders that have been through OMP yeah. since the beginning, since 1986. Yeah. Somebody ought to put that to pencil to paper and see if they can figure out how many people, at least how many students, uh-huh. uh, it's impacted. Yeah, it's significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate y'all being here today. You're welcome. You're welcome.